<laughs> it's good to be here tonight. Let's see if that does it there. I don't know. Glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. So thankful for another evening together. That's all right. Why don't we all stand and just let's just spend a moment here and lift up the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy, God. We thank you for your long-suffering, Lord, for your patience. Lord, you alone are worthy to receive the praise and the glory and the honor. It belongs to you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We've returned to give you thanks tonight to bless your holy name. For you are worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be adored. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for keeping us. Thank you for sustaining us, Lord. Oh, God, you're the provider, our healer. Everything that we need, we can find it in you. And we're thankful tonight for that. Amen. Let's, uh, let's uh, spend a few minutes worshiping the Lord. We'll give you an opportunity to give your offering to the Lord. And let's just uh, let's magnify his holy name tonight. Amen. I had this old chorus on my mind this week. So we don't usually start out this way, but let's just lift our hands and sing this to the Lord. Just want to tell you I'm thankful for all that you have done. For the stars and the moonlight and the setting. Just want to say. 
more time. Would you lift it up to him? Just want to tell you, Lord. Sister Moeller is going to be with us here tonight, and uh, they are both anointed, powerful, and uh, we're thankful to have them here tonight. I want you all to come and and uh, minister in song. It's so good to have them here. Why don't we give them a hand clap of appreciation as they come? so faithful. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise tonight? Hallelujah. All my life, he's been so good to me. I cannot tell it all. Amen. So, so very thankful to be with High Point, High Point family. It's been a while, so we are excited to come and see familiar faces. We love each and every one of you. Um, I'm just so thankful for God's hand in my life, his healing hand. He's still able to heal still able to deliver. He's still saving me. He's still keeping me, and he's worthy of my praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You can help me sing this song.
Clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, that name. There's no other name like that name. Ah, the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful tonight that I know the name. And I know that it's the only name. It's the only name that brings salvation. The only name that brings remission. The only name that brings healing. No other name. It's who we are. We're people of the name. We've been bought. Oh, we've been bought by the blood. Hallelujah. So thankful for the wonderful presence of the Lord in this place. Thank you, Brother and Sister Muller, for leading us in that song. Beautiful song and uh, very uplifting and encouraging. And uh, we're going to look into... Uh, the word of the Lord tonight, First Corinthians chapter one. I felt um, just the Lord kind of nudging me in this direction tonight. Uh, don't even have a title uh, for this message, and that's all right. We don't have to have one. The word is the word, and that's what matters the most. And so thankful for that. So. Uh, what we'll do is, you can stand if you're in your hearts if you'd like, <laughs> or you can stand. We'll just read a few passages here, and then I'll let you all be seated, because I actually just wanted to read through the whole chapter, and I won't make you stand for that. <laughs> Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ amen can we stretch forth our hands and ask the Lord to have his way in the remainder of the service to speak to us help us Lord with your word your word is what can help us can navigate us through this messy life and bring clarity to us an hour of confusion lord and so we pray that your word would go forth and speak to our hearts lord and speak to the chaos around us oh god and give us clarity before we leave this house lord because we need you we need you lord to help bring understanding tonight let revelation rest upon all of us in this house in the precious all-powerful name of jesus christ Everybody say amen as you are seated. Hallelujah. 
Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross to them that, are, that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them. That believe, for the Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorifieth, let him glory in the Lord. And what a powerful beginning of this of this letter here. And just reading the word of God is powerful. Paul begins with his credentials. The very beginning of this book. 
not so that he could say, look at me. But so he could declare to the church that he has the authority to write with correction and instruction. Called to be an apostle. And in this chapter, we will begin to see what an apostle does. Brother Stone King said that apostles govern. And that means to regulate. Apostles regulate. And it's very clear when you begin to read the letters, the epistles, what, what's actually happening. Paul is regulating. And the apostle is actually part of the fivefold ministry that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It's one of the keys to perfecting the saints, and it is needed when people are dealing with issues that seem to get out of control. Sometimes, it, sometimes a small issue will become so great that nobody can, nobody can settle it down. And it takes, it takes a, governing, uh, a governing rule to step in and say, this is what needs to happen. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing in this letter. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and we know if, if they are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that they are born of the water and the Spirit. I think it's important for us to, to notice how Paul is writing and addressing the church. And it's not, it's not a message to a group of people. It's a message to the church. Through the will of God, called to be saints, sanctified. And so they are walking in this new way, but they are also learning how to live in this new way. Called to be saints is, uh, the, the Greek word for saints is hagios. And that's, uh, it's a calling to be pure. It's a calling to be blameless. It's a calling for God's people to be holy saints. Not just in their congregation or organization, but anywhere people call on the name of Jesus. Anywhere people are walking in this new way, they're called to be holy. They're called to be saints. They're called to follow the same set of instructions, not different. It's not a different for this group and different for that group. We've, got, we've all got the same instructions. We've all, got the same, we've all got the same model, the same roadmap. We've all got the same manual. It's all in here. It's all in the Word of God. And if we, if we look at verses 3 and 4, actually... Um, Verses 3 through 9, that's what it was. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we as apostolics shouldn't be scared to say God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to, I'm working on a message to, to uh, talk about sonship. And so we're going to get into that here pretty soon. But we, we ought to not, we ought not forget certain passages because we don't quite understand them there is words here that we have to speak even though there might not be a complete understanding from God our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ now we don't believe we don't believe that there uh, this is a this is a, a a picture of the trinity right 
because we're talking about the eternal spirit and the man, Christ Jesus. We wouldn't have access to the, to the eternal spirit without the man, Christ Jesus. Revelations is a book on the man. It's, it's the re- revealing of the man. It's the revealing of the Son of God, the Son of Man. It's the revealing of Jesus, Alpha and Omega. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verses 4 through 9, Paul thanks God for the, for the work that is taking place in these new believers' lives. And I, I believe it's a wonderful way of beginning this letter. We will see some correction in a few moments, but Paul lets the church know that God is doing a great work in their life. Whenever a situation needs to be corrected, it would be wise for us to listen to Paul who approached this letter in such a harmless way. His his beginning, the beginning of his message was was uplifting and, and encouraging. And that's the way he spoke before he really got into the meat of the reason that he was writing. He didn't call them stupid or idiots or stupid idiots. He said, I thank God for you, and I want you to be enriched in all your speech and knowledge as the testimony of Jesus has established you. And I want you to not be lacking in any gift. I want God to use you. This isn't a correction to say you need to sit down for six months. This is a correction to say we got to handle some things. And when we handle these things, God's going to still use you. And he has been using you even, even though you've made mistakes. I want God to use you and bless you and keep you. But in order for him to do that, we must deal with some of the reasons for this letter. And in the next verse, we see one of those reasons in verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You're not all saying the same things. Now think about from the first century to the 21st century. You're not all saying the same things. There's contentions among you. You're not perfectly joined. Think about the fragments of our religious culture. Got this side and that side. And this is, this is exactly what Paul was writing about. And it's not a new thing that we're dealing with. This is an, in fact, it's an old thing. Oh, I belong to this group or I belong to that group. You, you have allowed divisions 
to creep in, and we can't let that continue. We've got to put an end to that. In verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions, or there are quarrels among you. You're arguing, you're bickering about things. We don't know much about the identity of Chloe, but she was likely a wealthy, uh, a wealthy woman, given that her name was attached to a house. Some scholars contend that one of the Corinthian congregations met at her home. Regardless of her identity, she was an eyewitness of these contentions and, and reached out to Paul that they would be addressed We need the ministry of an apostle to step in is what she was saying. Because these people, they need direction. They need need to be governed. They need to be spoken to. They need instruction and correction. And it's beyond what anybody can do here. We need the apostle to step in. And I believe in the day that we're living in now, we need apostles. We need apostles to be able to govern. we got to get past the fear of misuse uh, talking about apostles and prophets, and we gotta we gotta open the door for the apostles and the prophets to to minister to us because that's what it's gonna take for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's gonna take all five of the of, all five of the ministries that Paul was talking about. We need all of them. We we definitely we definitely need the work of an apostle in this hour. We need the work of an apostle to step in and govern churches that act like they are the only authority. Their authority is abusive. The reality is no person is beyond governing. We are all subject to authority. We We have authority because we're under authority. And the reason God put pastors into our life and so we can submit to the to the man of God we can submit to the role of the pastor and let the let the authority of God operate through our lives the only way we're going to walk with authority is to be under authority verse 12 now this I say that every one of you saith I am of a Paul and I have Apollos and I have Cephas and I have Christ Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? They were, they were arguing about whose group was better. Let that sink in for a moment. They were arguing about whose group was better. We are with Apollos and we are with Peter, but... We are with Christ. We got all y'all beat. It almost sounds like they were about to start their own organization. We're going to start the organization of Apollos because we don't like the way Cephas is doing it. Hmm. I don't believe the Lord is pleased with organizations who talk about other organizations. Groups who talk about other groups. Let me tell you this, I have been guilty of it. And I repent for looking across the line and wagging my finger. I have 
been one of the one of the individuals to say, you know what? Why did they have to go and start another organization? Huh? Because they think they're better than us? The truth is, uh, that's not even a good place for me to be in. Because I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be stop, stopping the quarreling and stopping the contentions and not adding to it. And so I've repented for this. I believe every member of the body should focus on the task and stop looking at what others are doing wrong and let God use all of us. It doesn't matter what organization. We got to get beyond what so-and-so does and what this group does. We got to come together and focus on the task at hand. God called us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to talk about, I got a better standard than you and you got a, you got a looser standard than me. No, we got to come together. And preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Crispus was baptized. Why? Because of what Paul was preaching. I want to take a little detour here. Uh, Crispus heard and believed like many others. And we, we see a little bit of this of this story in Acts chapter 18 and verse 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Paul only baptized a few. And, and the reason is stated in the very next verse, in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and, 1 and uh, 15. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. I didn't go there to baptize a bunch of people so people could point at me and say, we're with Paul. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. I only baptized a few, but I'm not here to gather my own following. And I'm glad that you can't say you were baptized in the name of Paul. You can almost hear the relief in his voice as he's writing this. You can't hold me hostage for trying to start my own movement. I'm here to preach the only message worth preaching. And you've got to, you've got to change your life to, so you will preach the same message that I have been commissioned to preach. You are now commissioned to preach it. Verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, Paul talks about some things later on in the chapter. But listen, you do not have to be intellectual to preach the gospel. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to use big words. You've got the spirit of the living God in your life and you're anointed to preach. You might not be able to spell all the words right, but you've got the power of God. And when God uses you, it will get Him glory. And you, nobody will be able to say it's because I'm intelligent and I'm, I'm a brainiac and I went to college and I, I know all these words. You'll say, no, I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't need big words. 
I wasn't sent here to gain a following with eloquent words and for people to only want to be baptized by me. I don't have to be the one who baptizes you because it's not my name anyway. Some have used, listen, some have used this passage to say that baptism wasn't part of Paul's message. And that it's not required in the preaching of the gospel. Because he didn't mention it when he said this. Some view baptism as optional or it's a good thing. But you cannot take this scripture out of context or read your theology into it. Nobody can read their own theology into this. And we as apostolics should never be okay with making a passage say what we want to prove, how we want to prove our own theology if the context doesn't fit and doesn't mean what it says. That's what has happened with this passage. Paul was not saying baptism wasn't part of his message because we have scriptures that tell us it was. And even at the very beginning of this, he said, I baptized a few of them. I baptized a few people. So it is clear that, that Paul believed in baptism. Paul wasn't preaching another gospel where they didn't include baptism. I know some people just think that it's works or it's just some, some, something. But listen, if, if we don't go in a watery grave, if we don't go in a watery grave, then we're, we're stepping out of line from what the first century church did and taught and preached. They all preached it. 1 Peter 3.21, like, like, uh, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this or himself or of some other man. In verse 35, then Philip, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now, all we know is that Philip preached Jesus. We don't know what he preached, but we do know what happened at the end of the message. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So this is another clear passage to show that when they baptized people, they buried them in the water. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Listen, now Paul's story begins the same way. It begins the same way all the other stories began. He was born of the water and the Spirit. Acts 9 and 17, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. In verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was what? Baptized. 
Well, it doesn't say what he was baptized in. Was he baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? Well, it doesn't say right here, does it? Well, that's why we can't just look at one passage and base our theology on one scripture. Because if we go to Acts chapter 22 and verse 11, Paul begins begins to retell his experience, his story. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus name baptism in acts 19 paul was on his way to preach the gospel and listen to what he said in john's disciples acts 19 and 1 and it came to pass that while apollos was at corinth paul having passed through the upper coast came to ephesus and finding certain disciples he said unto them have you received the holy ghost since you believe we don't know if paul said anything else to him he asked him two of the most important questions they would ever hear Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now we have to take notice here that Paul was in fact preaching. To say that baptism in the name of Jesus was not Paul part of Paul's message would be would be wrong. It would be out of context. And you know, you and I, Holy Ghost filled people, we shouldn't feel pressured to speak the truth. When God has given us clarity and anointing and the power of His Spirit, we must be willing to say, look, let's read this again. You read it out loud and I'll read along with you. What was Paul preaching? Because he also wrote in Galatians 3 and 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Paul said when we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. He also said we were baptized into his death in Romans 6 and 3. Know ye not that what so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? In verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism. Well, how, how do you bury someone? You've got to take them all the way under. Where the Catholics got off and said we sprinkle. I've heard so many people say, when you, when you bury the dead, do you just sprinkle dirt over them? You, you, you put them all the way in, right? Six feet under. Now, we're not going to put people in a six foot. It's close over there, but 
You've got to go all the way under. It does matter. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Can we preach Christ and him crucified without preaching him resurrected? So some people could say, well, Paul only said that he preached Christ and him crucified. But can we preach him crucified without preaching him resurrected? Can we preach Christ without preaching the death, burial, and resurrection? A crucified Christ is only part of Paul's message. Going back to 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. How is the preaching of the cross the power of God? It's through the cross that we gain access to new life through water and spirit. I seen this the other day. and I love the way that it was worded. Water baptism puts you in Christ. Spirit baptism puts Christ in you. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by the wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God didn't choose a, a, a way to debate. He didn't choose... To, to let people intellectualize a conversation. He chose the foolishness of preaching to save. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks Foolishness, the Jews and the Greeks both rejected. They, they didn't understand, but to those who, who hear and believe, it's salvation. It's the power of God. Verse 24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because he is God manifested in the flesh. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that uh, not many wise men after the flesh, nor many mighty, not many noble are called. God does not call, and you've heard people say this before, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He'll call you into a place that will make your knees buckle and your, your hands get sweaty and you'll, you'll begin you have to deal with the nervousness of of something greater than you but God's calling you he's calling those who don't look the part who who don't have the degree on the wall he's calling those uh, who don't have any pedigree or any heritage uh, he's calling the forgotten he's calling he's calling those who, who who may not be able to speak in the right way or say the right things or, or he's calling those to preach gospel but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world 
to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. He's going to use someone from the bottom ah, to speak to those on the top and leave them speechless. That's why we can't, you cannot underestimate who you are because the Spirit of God will fill your mouth with words that the smartest individual could not even rebuttal. They would be left speechless. Why? Because God's going to use vessels. Vessels, vessels that the world says, I don't, you can't do it. You're not smart enough. You didn't go through seminary. You didn't go through college. You can't even spell college. That's all right, but I know God. And he... He'll take these, this weak, uneducated man to leave you stumped in what you believe. Why? And the base things of the world and the things which are despised that God chose, and yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. There's not one person who's qualified to stand in his presence. There's not one voice that's qualified to stand in his presence. Oh, but the weak, the weak will be used to confound the wise. The weak will be used to speak to those who think they're wise and think they know it all. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You're in Christ. And God will give the wisdom. And God makes righteousness. Uh, he makes righteousness developed in you through the work of sanctification. The fruit of righteousness. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorified, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Listen, brother and sister, you're the head and not the tail. God's anointed you, empowered you. Don't be intimidated by what you don't think you know or understand. Listen, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got more than those who have a degree on their wall. You've got more than those who think they know God and, and know about God and know more than you about God. You've got God dwelling inside of you. You've got His Spirit who will fill your mouth with the words needed in that moment. God is for you don't be hesitant to say you got to be baptized in Jesus name because that's what the Bible says don't be hesitant to say when, when, don't be, to respond to somebody when they say what must we do to be saved You got to do everything the Bible way. 
We don't need a creed. We don't need some we don't need some organization. We need the word of God. Would you lift your hands right now and I'm going to pray that God that God would would give you the boldness and the anointing to declare to those that you come in contact with what they must do to be saved. Lord Jesus, I believe that you have empowered your people with your spirit and you have given them opportunities to declare what thus saith the word of God. I pray for boldness. I pray, Lord, that in those conversations where they feel a little timid and they feel a little uh, unqualified and they feel a little outnumbered, oh God, that you would give them the boldness to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would declare your gospel message to those who need to hear about the power of God. Lord, I pray that wherever they go, that there would be revelation and that there would be, uh, there would be a, a, a confidence in, in your ability to, to fill our mouth with your word and to fill our heart with peace as we speak your word. Oh, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're calling the church of the living God to be unified with one sound, with one voice, and that's to demonstrate and to release your power in this earth. God, I pray for unity. I speak unity over this congregation and every congregation that calls themselves people of the name of Jesus and been born of water and spirit, oh God, that you would help us, that you would help us work to, to keep unity and not be contentious and not, not be divisive and, and cause division, Lord, but that we would work together. I pray and speak unity. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your word that is forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your revelation. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for speaking to your people and helping us, God, because we couldn't make it without you. We can't add one cubit to our stature, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful, Lord, that you don't look for the most qualified individual in the room. You look for hunger. You look for desire. And you look for ways that you can operate through a person without them looking qualified for it. Thank you, Jesus. You got a chorus. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Yes, Lord. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Use me. This is my prayer, Jesus. If 
your prayer. I want you to know God will use you. He will use you. If you want to be used, God will use you. I love and appreciate you all. Thankful for the presence of the Lord. Thankful for our family, our community. Amen. I want you all to enjoy your time uh, with family on Thanksgiving. And, uh, I have a prayer request if I could mention those. Okay. Brother Plowman, Sister Shirley McFarland have called me before service to let me know that Brother Plowman got a package for the ER with some chest pain. So we need to pray for him. She asked if we would pray for her sister, Janice Underwood, that she was in extreme pain in her knee and needed a touch. And Sister Mary Howard on our live stream asked for prayer as well for her body. Amen. Let's, let's just lift those up together in unity. Lord, we pray tonight for Brother Plowman. God, you know where he is. You know what's going on in his body. And so we speak healing over him in the name of Jesus. That he would feel your strength begin to move into his body. That your healing virtue would begin to drive it out. God, we speak it and release it in faith. We pray, oh God, for Sister Mary Howard, Lord, that you would touch her. Speak healing into her, God. Bring her the strength, Lord, needed, the healing needed, God. You know what she needs, Lord. We thank you for healing her. We thank you for touching her. Oh, God, we pray for Sister Underwood tonight that you would touch her, oh, God. Bring healing into her body that she would feel your strength also, God. We thank you for it. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your presence and your faithfulness, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's remember our service Sunday prayer meeting at 1115, and um, we will see you all Sunday. God bless you. Those of you ladies who are coming to the ladies' paint night, if you could just meet me up here real quick. All right. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.